You're listening to Pirate Cat Radio, KPCRLP, 92.9 FM, Los Gatos and beyond. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Robert McKee. He's the, he's the big-time author of Story, Substance Structure, Style, and the Principles of Screenwriting. Yes, that Robert McKee. But first, we're going to have some questions from the listeners about writing and creativity. But even before we have the first, before I get into that, I want to remind you that my eight-week online novel writing workshop starts on March 18th. Go to TonyDuchesne.com novel. That's TonyDuchesne.com novel to register. Early registration is $375. That's TonyDuchesne.com novel. And a testimonial from one of my uh, previous students, because I've been teaching novel for about a decade consistently. Uh, I've taken creative writing classes with Tony Duchesne for many years. Since working with Tony, I've signed with a literary agent, and my novel is currently on submission with publishing houses. I highly recommend his classes. He's a wonderful teacher and writer. What a lovely thing to say. So join my online novel writing workshop by going to TonyDuchesne.com novel. We start on March 18th on Zoom at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's TonyDuchesne.com novel to register. And now, questions from our listeners. Hi, this is Jason from Philadelphia. And my question is, how far in advance for your novel do you outline what you are writing or do you just write what comes to mind when you are writing your book thank you hey jason that is a really good question um for i it, what what happens is as we as we write we start to develop our own voice as we keep writing and we also start to develop our own processes so some people need need to outline before they even start writing and that's people like philip roth um, i'm sure there's more and other people do it by the seat of their pants and that's people like lee child who did the jack reacher um books i had him on the show and he talked about how he does not outline at all he just writes every single scene and then uh then he goes and edits all the scenes without taking out any of the scenes, which is kind of like crazy. Uh, but that's his jam. My jam, I don't outline. I I have like maybe three phrases and then I have characters. So my it looks like a looks like an ink blot mess uh, when it come when I'm working on something and then the and then I just start putting the characters in action because I kind of know I, I guess for the current book I'm on, I know the setting, so I put them in that setting, and then I have a couple ideas of who these characters are and what they're doing and how they'll dance around each other. And so I just play with that, and I write scenes. And then I just write more scenes and more scenes and more scenes. As I start to get too many scenes, that's when I start to really go back and go, okay, and and kind of outline those scenes and go, wait, this works, this doesn't work. And I think that's kind of what I am realizing this now as I think about it. It's kind of how I do the whole book is just kind of throw more paint at the wall. And when I have a group of scenes together that are kind of locked in and then I'm like on to the next part and on to the next part and then realize that, oh, wait, that doesn't start there. That starts over here. So I'm kind of scattered um, and I don't quite outline too much on the book that I'm looking for a home now, a home, a publishing home for now. It's called Dreamcasting for all of you publishers out there who are knocking on my door. <laughs> um, I never did an, I, I had certain plot points that I did, but I never did an outline. I was so crazy on that book because it, because it's set in the world of dreams and I wanted to stay in a very intuitive space with it. So every time I would finish a draft, I would read the entire book in one sitting. And just from that, <clears throat> I would have notes of, whoa, this, you know, cut this, do this. 
but I wouldn't, I would never, I never outlined that book. I, I just, every time I, I came back to it, I had to read it in one setting and then go, okay. And then have all my notes in there and a lot of crossed out and a lot of, Hey, just add this. And so I was doing maybe a little bit of outlining through the pages, but um, not any particular outline. So try everything, try outlining, try not outlining and see what happens. Natalie, hi. Why is it so hard to create the ending of the story? Um, I don't know exactly the uh, context of that question. The ending of the story usually happens um, after you've been writing for a while. So it's I don't think it's easy to just know your ending of the story. Like as you can as you keep writing, um your characters start doing things and the end kind of becomes apparent to you. I never know how my story is going to end. I start, I just start with my idea and I start writing and it, and it usually takes about six months of daily writing where I, I get in some fever pitch mode where it's almost like I'm, you know, my eyes roll back and I'm doing Pentecostal um, chanting or something, but it's on my pen and I and for some odd reason the last scene comes to me and then I write that scene and then I go I have no idea how I'm gonna get to this that's usually how I write my ending and that's how, that's how I've written my ending on the last two projects and I don't know why that is but I, I just kept myself open um, and it's really it's not easy to do to keep yourself open and it's also that's the other thing when I come to my writing every day. I'm, I, I just try to stay open to it and not think about it. Read yesterday's scene and go, I have no idea what I'm going to do with that. And then I just start writing. And then it turns out you do once you start writing. And then you're like, I didn't know it was going to go there. Okay, then. So that's that's how I create the ending of the stories. Is Usually I'm hanging out with my characters for about six months and Sometimes that's 30 minutes a day. Sometimes that's four hours a day. In rewrites where I'm getting close to the end of the draft, I'm usually doing 12 hours a day for about five days, and then I die. <laughs> so thanks for your question, Natalie. Um, and anyone else with other questions on writing or creativity? And here's Marcy's question. Marcy from Vancouver, Washington. Do you use specific things to become inspired to write? I don't. Um, I don't. I don't wait for inspiration, and I don't try to manufacture inspiration. Inspiration is just inspiration is just showing up with this and this, and that's not even inspiration. That's just putting in the work and going. Uh. Okay, so when I say this and this for the listeners who are on our audio version, I'm holding up a yellow pad and a, and a pen. Um, my inspiration is I just need to write every day. There's not a lot um, more than that. Or can your ideas come from anywhere? As far as ideas are concerned, I, li I like that. Thank you, Marcy. As far as ideas are concerned, um, we all have too many ideas. I, it's really funny when people who aren't writers come up to you and go, I got a really good idea for a story. And you say, I don't want to hear it <laughs> because we have to pick from our plethora of ideas the one thing we're going to commit to and craft. And then we work on that for a while. And then we have, and then especially when we're in the middle of working on it, all of a sudden all these other sexy ideas start coming in. And it's just like, oh, wait, I'd rather do that. And those sexy ideas are cool, but we only write down those ideas and put them in an idea book because we keep working on what we're working on. And that's how we stay disciplined as well as um, how we stay, uh, what do you call it? It's, about, it's, it's just about staying disciplined in your project and being disciplined in it when you hate it, when your project utterly disgusts you and, and you keep showing up to it. It could disgust you for like three weeks, for four weeks, and, and, the, the, and it's just, you feel gross showing up, and then all of a sudden you have a good writing day, and then all of a sudden it's, um, 
it becomes apparent and it's it's just kind of like being a marathon runner where you want to die and then all of a sudden you get that second wind and you're like ha oh, okay um so it's not it's uh it's what like the expression is. What is it? It's easy, but it's not simple. So a lot of it's just showing up. Um, and then Rose from Silver Lake, can you give me five tips on writer's block? I can't. I find I can't write when I'm overwhelmed with stress. Tips for writer's block. First tip is to just sit down and write why you have writer's block. Um, I have writer's block because I can't get, you know, I, there's this voice in my head that's telling me to go pee on a fire hydrant on Third Avenue in Manhattan. Um, and if you have voices in your head, please, um, you know, seek professional help. Uh, but we also have voices in our heads kind of all the time. I, I think for the most part, I just heard this too, that... There are some people that ha don't have ongoing chatter in their brains. There's like a percentage of, there's a percentage of the population. <laughs> I hope I'm still on. I just got to, okay. Um, there's a percentage of the population who doesn't have ongoing brain chatter. And I'm like, I would love to have that, but I always have ongoing brain chatter. Why was I saying that? Because the question was, um... Oh, for writer's block. So, so for writer's block, write why you have writer's block. Um, the other part of writer's block is your project that you're on. So if you're having writer's block on a specific project, then sometimes that project needs to just be set aside and you kind of need to fall in love with it again, which I've just done with my book, The Smugs. I had, I've, I was working way too hard on it. I just had to set it aside and play with other stuff. And now I'm kind of like, okay, here we go. Yes, Natalie, keep showing up. Simple yet so hard. When my brain is overly stressed out with real life, the creative funny side goes away. Actually, if you're stressed with real life, that's when I find the funny creative stuff is that's the juice for the funny creative stuff is our tragedies um the i get i get i get monumentally irritated about the stupidest things and it cracks me up and then i put that into a character and i and i'm just and people are like that character was so dumb i can't believe it and i don't i don't go well yeah well, that well that's exactly what i did but you just you lean into what stresses you out and lean into what irritates you and then all of a sudden um that's where the funny is is when you go into the deep tragedy of it and the utter silliness of it and then there we are so very good all right and that'll be our questions and answers for today. With that in mind, remember, I'm teaching a novel writing workshop starting on March 18th, 6 p.m. online via Zoom, Pacific Standard Time. Join us from New York at 9 p.m. if you like. Go to TonyDuchesne.com novel. That's TonyDuchesne.com novel. And now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Robert McKee, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Robert McKee. His new book is called Character, The Art of Role and Cast Design for Page, Stage, and Screen. Robert, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am good. I love talking storytelling, and you're the storytelling king. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What? Uh, uh, when did you? When did you start? Like, when did you realize how much story meant to you? To the point where you're just like, I'm in this. I'm. I'm a storyteller now. Oh, you, you know, it, it, 
I, I think, I mean, I've, I've been asked this before and I, and I've traced it back to when I was like eight years old. Oh yeah. And, um, uh, my father had a, an ingenious uh, form of punishment, which, um, uh, was, uh, he had this, he bought this magnificent volume of Aesop's fables with beautiful, uh, lush illustrations. And so if I did something wrong, uh, the punishment was uh, I had to uh, pick out one of the fables and copy it in very good penmanship, <clears throat> both the, the story and the moral. And then I had to write my own interpretation of the moral. And then I had to come to him and explain to him the story and the moral and my version uh, and um, I discovered that I was good at it. And I could get my, my father's eyes would light up as his, you know, his son was actually explaining rather sophisticated moral ideas uh, to him uh, coherently. And, you know, when you can impress your, your parents as a kid, when they, when they go, wow, you know, when I mean, that's really a big moment. And so, um, and so uh, since I was eight years old, I've been able to think about story, interpret story, uh, analyze it, and, uh, uh, and express that to other people. And so, just, oh, sorry. Go ahead. My whole life. Pardon? I, I, I interrupted you as you were talking. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I've been doing it all my life. So as long as I can remember. Can we just give your dad the father of the century award for discipline? <laughs> because if everyone did that, I think we would have a better world because when we tell stories and when, we, and when we're thinking in storytelling like that, we develop empathy, I believe. Yes. Yes. And insight. You yeah. come to understand things, you know, I mean, the, the fox and the grape story, you know, the, 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 the the from which the term uh, sour grapes comes, you know, mm -hmm. and that the fox is envious and, uh, and and greedy, and he wants the grapes and he can't get it, and so he has to rationalize. Uh, well, they're probably just sour anyway. I mean, that, you know that that pro that mechanism of rationalization and blaming it on something else. Human beings do this constantly, right? Yeah. So when you're eight years old and you see. Uh, this and you read this fable about how somebody, in order to uh, you know, get out of a situation with without too much uh, discomfort, blames it on something else, uh, and you realize this is what people do. And and so when you're a kid and you and you see that in 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 this fable, you naturally see it in other people, but you also see it in yourself, and you hear yourself doing the sour grapes well he probably wasn't going to be a good friend anyway you know whatever <laughs> and uh he probably can't play baseball anyway i mean no, whatever you need uh and so yeah yeah that that is a um that is a and, and the the funny thing is um was about that whole that whole year or two that that went on um he thought in his mind, it was a, a, a punishment. <laughs> but in my mind, it was the, I could impress my father and um, get his respect. And so you almost went around doing naughty things just to, <laughs> just to have the opportunity to show off. You're like seven years old and you're like, you know what? I need to, I need to just smoke another cigarette so I can get punished. You're like, come yeah. on, dad. Come on, dad. I'm halfway done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. The, um, well, we better, it's, it's, I mean, what I, uh, storytelling for me is essentially my religion. Um, it's when I, it's just, it means everything to me. Um, cause I came to storytelling very late reading very late in life. And, um, and I was like, oh, wow, I can have these. I'm getting conversations from people who understand my emotions, you know, when I'm reading yeah. a novel. It's just like, 
they're speaking to me in a way that I wasn't spoken to before. And, and then I, and then I was just like, there's, there's a different way to have a conversation and dive in. And a lot of it's reading and also writing and, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a famous critic um, uh, whose name was Kenneth Burke. And he put it very simply, he said, stories are equipment for living. And they, you know, that's easy, you know, what that five words is exactly right. That if, if, if you didn't have story in your life and all you had was life, day-to-day life, whatever, you would be in such confusion you would be so angry, so troubled, so lost uh, because you couldn't figure out why in the world do I do these things? Why do other people do these? Things? I mean, you, you, you know, you would be lost. And so we start telling little children's stories as parents to give them equipment. My father gave me Aesop's fables as equipment to live. And the and the as you get older and you read more and more sophisticated work and you go to uh, the movies of course and you go to the theater um, you're, you 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 get wrapped embraced in um, in the story form and it makes sense out of life it doesn't cure the problems necessarily <laughs> but at least it makes some sense out of life so that <clears throat> that you can. You don't feel lost and, and you, you, don't, you don't feel you feel that if something happens i have equipment i've been prepared it's not the worst thing that could happen you know it's not macbeth <laughs> and so uh 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 you're ready and um and so stories yeah they, they make life possible it's interesting. I was, you just reminded me of something. I was thinking about this the other day, <clears throat> how, like, especially in screenwriting, how, how compressed the conflict is. The conflict's just, I mean, it's, it's almost hard for me to write screenplays because I come from the novel and so conflict's just like, bada boom, bada boom, bada boom, because we got to pack it all in yeah, when, when on, the, on the screen. Um, unless we're Scandinavian, uh, experimental filmmakers and I love those too so don't get me wrong but um, yeah. but it's interesting that we also kind of need to see the heightened conflict when we don't have that type of conflict in our lives there's so well, I wonder what it is about um, I, this I don't know if, there, if there's an answer to this question or not but what is it about us needing higher conflict uh, than us in order to be engaged the acid just kicked in. I'm sorry. That was I'm, well, that question the, uh, blew my mind too. You know, in 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 screenwriting, um, what's the the difficult difficulty in screenwriting is is that everything that a uh, that's in a novel that is you know, a novelist can invade the thoughts of a character in first or third person. Um, and so there's a great inner drama going on in a novel, but if you photograph that, that's somebody in thinking, somebody sitting there in thought, right? And so in a screenplay, you have to imply everything that you have to make implicit, everything that in a novel can be explicit. And so <clears throat> that's why screenwriting is so difficult. It's not that it, it has to be constant conflict, it's that uh, the sources of that conflict, the motivations, the thoughts behind it, <clears throat> the actions and reactions are interior in the characters, but you can't photograph their thoughts. A novel literally on the page photographs their thoughts. <clears throat> and, and, and so they're, they're two very different media and they, 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 they thrive at different levels of conflict. Uh, <clears throat> but in, in many ways, the novel, being able to have access to characters' thoughts directly is um, a bit easier <clears throat> than uh, in screenwriting, although novelists will never admit that. <laughs> 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 uh, 
uh, but you know, and, and the and the theaters in between. Yeah, <clears throat> and the the theater you do have access to thoughts by characters, you know, coming directly to the audience and in, in, in direct address and soliloquy and telling you what they're thinking. <clears throat> but <clears throat> excuse me, that's them telling you what they're thinking in a third person novel. The narrator knows what they're really thinking. Yeah, subconsciously. And so even when a character in the theater comes down and says, uh, you know, <clears throat> oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I? The audience is thinking, well, that's just a little vanity, isn't it, Hamlet? Right? <laughs> and so they know Hamlet better than Hamlet. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, and so you know, each one of the great storytelling uh, uh, media has strengths and, 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 and difficulties. Uh, and none of them are easy. None of them are easy. Storytelling is always the the job is to make sense out of life, and, and in a compelling way. And um, and like in my in my new book, to create characters that we can empathize with, or certainly perceive what's going on inside of. And, and, and it's rewarding because what's going on inside of these characters is, is a really, really of interest. Um, uh, to create characters and um, tell a story out of their lives is the hardest work, I believe, uh, that a human being can take up. <clears throat> and, and so uh, uh, people who have the, the, the talent and the skill to create life from nothing but their imaginations and their and their experiences and um, and illuminate life for us they they keep us civilized it's it's such a <clears throat> yeah it's such a trip and it's i like i like how you talk about character and plot because you know it's like what's more important but they both need each other so bad you know yeah, well, the, the, the book that made, uh, you know, that, that I'm known for originally was called Story. And that's all about the event design uh, of, of a work. But that's only half of it. <clears throat> I mean, the other half is who's doing it, is the characters. And so this new book fills in the half that, I mean, I didn't, I'm, I discussed character in story, but nothing like the depth and the length I go to in the, in the book uh, because they're just two sides of the same coin. I mean, the, the events of a story, what happens is created out of the choices that the characters make under pressure to take action and the reactions that they get. <clears throat> the, the characters are the human beings who would make those choices and take those actions. And so what happens is the characters and who the characters are is what they choose to do. And that's what happens. And so they, you, it's, it's in the creative process of writing, it's really artificial to try to separate them. Because you know what characters do is the story. The story is who these people are that would do things like that. <laughs> and so, and so it, 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 it took me a while um, to to feel that I had an, I, that I had a sufficient knowledge. I I I I won't write any book <clears throat> without the feeling that I that every question I've ever been asked by student writers um, I have I can answer, and every question about character that I've ever been asked. Uh, for the last uh, 40 years, um, you know, I had to find answers. And once I got to a point where I think I'd heard every possible question about character, and very importantly, um, the design of a cast of characters. Uh, and uh, when I got to a saturation point where I thought, okay, um, every, every question you could ask is being asked. I found an answer and I'm, I'm ready to write the book. 
uh, and so uh, uh, and so now it's in the world, and um, uh, it's been getting some very very you know gratifying reactions uh, from people, and uh, it's um, it's I think this is just my opinion. It's the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the um oh you made me think of you made me think of something and then but you didn't make the thought go away the thought went away on its own because you know i drank too much in my 20s and 30s i don't know um what we, we were just talking about but the what i love is the student the teacher student relationship and how you were asked so many questions that that you that you had to um, maybe put words in your mouth. So tell me that I, I uh, so, but that you you were asked so many questions about character that it, you kind of had to rethink some things in order to explain it. Thus, the student and the teacher are kind of a symbiotic uh, oh, thing. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. No, I. I owe um, uh, my students everything because um, trying to make sense in a useful way, you know, not just academic abstract sense, but concrete sense uh, is, um, uh, and seeing the light come on inside of students uh, is, is how you learn I mean, it's it's a, it's a dirty secret, but it's the truth. You learn by teaching it. You, you think that, no, you first you learn everything and then you teach it. Actually, that's not true. Actually, you learn enough of it to get started. Uh, you, know, you learn more than the students know to get started, uh, but that's just more than they know. And, and uh, of course you have to know more than they know because they don't know anything. So, um, uh, and then the questions come, and and also in, in the in the process of lecturing, you hear yourself saying things that you didn't know where they come from, uh, and so afterwards you think back, oh, you, know, uh, you know, did I actually? And what is that? And 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 so the the process of making sense for other people in a way, makes sense for yourself as well. And so you're teaching yourself at the same time you're teaching others. And often um, when I'm teaching, I hear myself say things that I had never consciously thought before. And so somehow it came up out of the subconscious and it seemed right for the moment. And uh, then you have to, to check it and say, you know, is that valid? I mean, you you told you just told two hundred people X, and is it true? I mean, they believed it. You know, when, when I when <laughs> when I first started teaching, my the first experience I had was I was in grad school in, uh, in English lit, and it was summer school, and uh, we were we were studying uh, uh, theater uh, plays and short stories. And um, the professor said to us, he said, okay, it's summer and I'm not gonna work hard in the summer, right? So what each of you is going to have to give a lecture on a work, short story or a play <clears throat> for everybody else. And, and, so, um, and so I, um, I got on the beach with uh, a play, uh, a play called Miss Julie, and uh, August Strindberg, and I studied it and I took notes and whatever. And so I get up one one afternoon to, and I start giving this lecture on Miss Julie, and I had um, things to put on the board. Oh no! Please, internet, come back, internet. This is the time when it all goes down. Come on, internet, come back up. Sorry, what was that? Are we, are we back? Okay. I, my internet went down for a second, so I had to ah, sing. Ah. 
I hope I hope that was okay, and I hope that wasn't. Yeah, 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 no, fine. So anyway, right. I, tur I turned around. <laughs> I turned around, and all the other grad students had their heads down. They're all taking notes, and suddenly I had this rush, and I thought, "My God, they're believing this. They're taking notes. They're, you know." And it, it was it was a rush. I had I never felt anything like that. Before that moment, the power of teaching and people's minds opening and their heads going down and they're scribbling notes. And I, it changed my life. I mean, it really did. Wow. Uh, and so that happens all the time when you're teaching. Something comes up out of the subconscious that you didn't know you knew. And, and then you check it to see if that's really true or false after, after the, you know, you give thought to it after the lecture. And if, and if you think, oh, that was bullshit. Uh, but sometimes you go, yeah, actually. And that's right. And, um, and so your knowledge grows uh, while you're teaching. And uh, so the teaching experience is, is both in yourself and between yourself and your students uh, and you and you acquire uh knowledge uh, uh, uh in that way and you also of course you're doing research and you're studying uh, the, the 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 knowledge of other people and so um between the two of them you get you, you know you get to understand something uh, well enough to put it into a book. <laughs> it, it's, I find it, I find it keeps me in check because I'll be, I'll get on my students and be like, <clears throat> you need to write, you know, especially the beginning students for, for the rest of the quarter, you're writing 20 minutes a day. I don't care if you think you're blocked, you're going to write unblocked because blank unblocked because blank for 20 minutes. And I hammer it them to them and I hammer it to them. And then, uh, and then some days go by and I don't write. And I'm like, Oh crap! I'm not practicing what I preached. <laughs> it keeps me in check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's at the end of the day. That's the final test, isn't it? When you when you're putting sentences together on on the page, and putting sentences into paragraphs, and putting paragraphs into chapters, when you have it to make a logical progression. And you have to put it into language that you're not there to tell it to them. I mean, in the classroom, you can say things and they can ask questions and you can clarify it. But when you write a book, it's got to be self-clarifying. Uh, and and, um, and so, um, and so the, the, the final test is the, is the book itself. Do I really know what I'm talking about well enough to be able to explain it to other people uh, so that they can follow without confusion and and uh, and that that's scary. Writing a book is a, is a scary thing because <clears throat> you you know you're often sitting there going I don't, where does this bullshit come from? I mean, <laughs> who's who's going to believe? Me? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a slow writer. I, I, I write six or eight hours a day, every day, seven days a week. I never take a day off. And, um, uh, and, and if at the end of the day, I've got 500 keepable words, that's a triumph. Most days I'll write you know, I, there's a little word counter you know, at the bottom left-hand corner of the screen there. And most days, you know, I'll write something between 1,000 and 2,000 words. And uh, the next day, um, often, the, the, they just, the, the whole thing is thrown out. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, but it accumulates over time. If you, if you, um, if you can do, um, you know, uh, 100, if you can get 100 good words a day, uh, in you know, in ten days, that's a thousand words, and in a hundred days, that's 
10,000 words. And in a year, that's 350,000, 35,000 words. And that's a 200 page book. So um, just 100 keepable words a day, progressively accumulates into a book. Uh, So. And I I think it's important, even when we have those days where we write, you know, well, we got the 2000 words that are just like, we got to dump them all. I feel like that's part of the writing process because if we didn't write those words, we wouldn't get to what we needed to get to. No, no, you know, if you're honest with yourself, you know perfectly well that that at best, at best, ten percent of what you write is is worth anything, and ninety percent of it is just you know garbage and repetitious and uh, you know shallow. So, but but ten percent, if you if you've got if you know your subject and you've got talent. That 10% is keepable and 10% is a serious number. And so, um, and so that, you know, that's how books get written. Uh, the, this book that we're talking about today is um, uh, uh, character and, and cast design. And the, uh, the, the root of that um, is, um, you know, is, um, to begins with is is um, insight into yourself. All characters are somehow uh, uh, extensions of the writer. No matter what, no matter good, bad, <clears throat> trivial, or complex, you know that that self knowledge is the root of all character writing. And um, and self knowledge uh, cannot be taught. In people uh, who want to write, they're either paying attention to what they do, what they think, what they feel, day in day out. I mean, they're they're either self aware, and they're they're making a study of themselves, uh, or they're not. And if uh, I mean observation of other people, uh, reading great works and going to good movies and whatnot, and seeing characters. In, in performance on page or stage or screen, that's all very, very useful. But ultimately, I think it was Anton Chekhov who said, uh, he said, everything I know about human nature, I learned from me. And so you, you are the only person you ever know in life. You're the only person whose thoughts you can actually hear. And everybody else is at a distance, and um, and you can only you can only know them by implication, and uh, and more often than not, you're wrong about what's really going on inside of them, and and, and so you're the only human being you ever get to know, really, deeply, consciously, subconsciously, and so you you create all your characters out of yourself. Therefore, your, your, your characters can only be as, as interesting and complex as you are yourself. And, and, uh, and so I put a lot of emphasis in my book on character in the, the big chapter on preparing yourself as a writer to create characters begins with observation, with reading and experiencing fictional characters, uh, but then penetrating the mysteries of your own humanity and coming to terms. <clears throat> to under, to, for you to be able to understand what would a human being do? You are the only human being you will ever really know in depth. And so the answer to the question is you is is the hypothetical if i were this character under these circumstances what would i do not what would the character do but if i were the character playing the role of the character you're creating you make it personal for yourself what would i do as that character um, and so there's an intimate connection between yourself and the, and the character. Or another way of, of, of thinking about all this, Tony, is that, that writers are actors. 
the, 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 a character's first actor is the writer. And, and, and whether you've ever acted or not, if you're going to write, tell, create stories, you know, for stage or screen or page, um, you have to be able to get in character and think that actor's thought, if I were this character in these circumstances, what would I do? And you have to act the role uh, and use yourself as material to create that character as you act the role. Uh, and so it's as a critical step to creating characters and stories, you have to start with yourself. And That's who am scary. I? Yeah, it is scary. Because <laughs> a lot of writers think that they can disappear, they can avoid this whole thing by creating characters who are very different, never be anything like themselves, and science fiction-y or fantasy or you know, uh, characters as animals or characters as little children or, you know, something so foreign, so different from yourself that you can't lay claim to say that's really an aspect of me yeah. uh, and that they can escape into these characters. And that's just nonsense because <clears throat> sooner or later, you got to ask yourself, you know, under these circumstances, what would she do? And you're not going to know what she would do unless you get into her head and, and understand the, the process of her humanity and, and your ability to understand her humanity is absolutely tied to your understanding of your own humanity. And so there's no escaping it. I don't care how fantasy the, the, this, yeah. the genre. <clears throat> and and, uh, uh, and uh, just to make things harder, Everybody who reads what you've written knows that. Yeah. Everybody who reads your writing knows that these characters that you created are all aspects of you. And therefore, they make really sometimes harsh judgments about you. Not your characters, not your story, but you. And, uh, and if, if, if they find your story wanting, it's because they think nasty, unpleasantries about you who wrote this damn thing and then and wasted their time. And so, uh, and so that's why I just said, that's why writing is so scary. It's because you're exposed. But I love it because I love the stakes of that. The high stakes of the, of, you know, a reader just comes in maybe thinking they're going to be entertained and they could say one cross thing back to us and it kills us. <laughs> yeah. the, when you were talking about that, it, this is what I used to do when I had, um, when I was beginning writing. Back after I read Story, your, your, your book, uh, when I was in my late 20s and it helped me along my journey on many levels. And one, yeah. of, the, um, one of the things I did was I was going to get back at all the people that were mean to me in my life, all right. the bullies, all the, <laughs> all the church elders, these people, I'm going to write about them. And then by the time he gets on the screen, they're going to go see the movie and they'll feel bad about themselves because they'll all know it was them. And then as I, as I was working on it, um, uh, you know, and you're crafting, you realize it's you, you realize yeah. every single thing is you. And that's just, and it's just like, Oh crap. And then not only that, now I got empathy for all these people who are bullies and who are terrible to me. It's like, now I'm empathetic to their plight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you write a bully and you base it on some experience you had, if you're a good writer, you got to get inside the bully's head and say to yourself, if I were a bully under these circumstances, what? And you were, therefore, you have to understand that it's a human being understand them as a human being. I mean, they're, they're, their thoughts are, are perverse or twisted. Uh, their emotional mechanisms are <clears throat> faulty, but they... Uh, Socrates who said, no human being ever does anything except they believe it to be the good thing to do. <clears throat> All human beings act toward the positive uh, and uh, they rationalize, they do whatever is necessary to do it, 
but but the, all of life is just human beings, but all living things, uh, all of nature is aimed toward the positive, toward doing something that will enhance your life, prolong your life, right? <clears throat> and so this is the right necessary thing to do for the, the my self-interest. Yeah. And, and so when a bully acts from the bully's point of view, this is the right thing to do. And they have reasons for that. And, and once you get into their head and you figure out their motivation, their reasons for it, you realize, okay, he's deluded, but still, still, right? It's yeah. his, that's his experience. Life taught him this. Yeah. And, and, and you have to feel a certain empathy for it once you realize that, you know, this, this bastard's a human being after all. Yeah. So writing, writing as an act of revenge <laughs> doesn't really get you very far. You can't do it. Writer yeah. Because you realize that all those awful people actually are human beings and just like you. And, uh, and so the, at the end of the day, what you're after is uh, to create characters and tell their story to um, express beautifully the truth. And <clears throat> If you're a good writer, an honest writer, you you are devoted to um, the truth. Uh, but a lot of you know bad writing is because it's not devoted to the truth. It's devoted to happy endings or <clears throat> some kind of manipulation of things. But the best of writing, of course, you come, you, you close the book, you come out of the film, or 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 today, today more than ever, I must say. Uh, the best writing in, in America and the world is a television series. Yeah. And, and you come away from a, a series. Um, uh, recently, I, I, I watched the, um, the series uh, called Made. Oh, you know yeah. I, need to, I, I still need to watch it. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend. Yeah. And it's, it's autobiographical. It's based on a memoir. But it, but uh, the memoirist didn't write the screenplay. In fact, what's really interesting is that it's about a, a, a young woman who ends up a single mother with an alcoholic, abusive ex-husband um, who works cleaning houses as a maid and trying to get herself to college. And um, the screenplay is written by uh, a guy. And uh, and he thanks to her memoir, of course, is it really gets to the truth of what it is to be a single mom in this world, the, the, the labyrinth of government help and um, family, <laughs> families who are not helpful um, and, and drugs and all the rest of it. Um, and so I watched The Maiden and I thought I was so grateful because it's a world I would never know. And, uh, and I thought, this is the truth. This is a really honest expression of what life must be like for a 22-year-old mom with a three-year-old kid who's made a mistake with a, getting married, getting pregnant, and, um, and has the ambition to, to get to college. And it's excellent. And so, um, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not, the ending ultimately is positive, but it's, it's not without paying a huge price along the way. Um, and so um, the, the best writing I've seen in, in the last you know, 10 or 20 years has been long form television series <clears throat> going all the way back to the Sopranos and Breaking Bad and, uh, and the Ozark and uh, all these terrific series. Um, and uh, uh, that takes, those long form series take character to a whole new level of complexity that no novelist or, or playwright or screenwriter ever had to deal with. 
Because what keeps people watching a series week after week or even year after year is two things, a revelation that you're discovering aspects, dimensions, or qualities of, a, of the characters in the cast that you never saw before, even though you've been watching it for five years, they're still revealing themselves and change. That they are all, they are for better or worse, growing or changing or diminishing or whatever it is, but they are changing in, uh, over, over the series and how to create a character that is so complex that you can be revealing this character 20, 30, 40, 50 hours into the story and, and progressively changing them one way or another for 40, 50 hours of uh, what kind of characters and what kind of cast do you have to create in order to be able to sustain interest for hours and hours on end, uh, because as soon as the characters stop revealing themselves, we dump the series. As soon as we feel these characters will never change, you know, like, like you know, we just walk out and then we right. something else, right? And so the demands of character creation for long form television series is enormous. And I, it's breathtaking to when you see it done as beautifully as it's, it's so often done. I mean, there's a lot of bad, mediocre TV series, God knows. Yeah. But the best of them, the best of them are really stupendous pieces of creativity. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a great chat. Great chat. I enjoyed it a lot. I want to remind you that my eight-week online novel writing workshop starts on March 18th. Go to TonyDuchesne.com slash novel. That's TonyDuchesne.com slash novel to register. Early registration is $375. That's TonyDuchesne.com slash novel. You're listening to Pirate Cat Radio, KPCRLP, 92.9 FM, Los Gatos and beyond. Say c'est bon Lovers say that in France When they thrill to romance It means that it's so good Say c'est bon So I say it to you Like the French people do because it's oh so good Every word, every sigh, every kiss, dear Leads to only one thought And it's this, dear It's so good Nothing else can be played just your slightest embrace And if you only would If you only would Be my own Be my own For the rest of my day For the rest of my day I will whisper this phrase My darling, c'est si bon Say 
Say see bon. Say see bon. Quand je la tiens dans mes bras. Quand je la tiens dans mes bras. De me dire que tu C'est à moi pour de bon. C'est si bon. Et si nous nous aimons. Cherchez pas la raison. C'est parce que c'est si bon. Because it's oh so good. C'est parce que c'est si bon. Thank you.